You and I can decide that we're going to harbor no arrogance, no contempt. We're going to work our work, starting with ourselves, to make our workplaces, our homes, et cetera, et cetera, more gracious, more giving. We can decide all of that today. And so it's a cumulative effect. We didn't get here, right, by ourselves, but we can get to a better place with each one of us taking up our pieces of the work going forward. And so it's a daunting thought. And yet somehow God says there's a tailwind if you go my way. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Four Faith, a weekly devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Hey, Bishop. Hey. You've just returned from what looked like an incredible trip to Nepal. It was. It was an amazing trip. What was the most surprising thing you experienced? Oh, my gosh. I mean, we could devote the the podcast to that entirely. I I guess really quickly, I guess, um, you know, you really do get a sense that we are a world community. I mean, we were there and we were uh, in the hands of of men and women uh, in Nepal we got a chance to meet women who were working their way uh, into financial empowerment, economic empowerment, um, who were creating spaces for one another um, where they could be affirmed and uh, another generation could be invited into sort of a new kind of agency in that culture. Um, uh, We met women who were sort of fending off these ideas of inferiority just because of their gender and uh, and finding their way forward it was it was inspirational um it was humbling to be the guest uh when you're always used to being uh sort of the person who provides the hospitality uh to be a guest of really robust rich deep lovely wonderful gracious hospitality is really humbling so i felt very humbled by the whole thing and then um, you know, we spent some time there, uh, you know, just sort of getting a sense of the culture. And one of the things that uh, practices that they take up in that culture is, uh, uh, you know, is um, how they dispose, really to use that word, how they dispose of, of the dead body. And so along the river, there, there are all these cremations that are happening in real time. And so, uh, you know, without the funeral home and a funeral home director and all the things that we lay over the notion of death. Uh, so you got a real sense of, of the impermanence of life. Wow. And that was really built into the way they live. So you live and you love and you, you do whatever you do and then you die. And, uh, and then the cremation happens right there. Uh, and, uh, and then all the ashes uh, are pushed into the river. Uh, and where we were, it was a sort of at the, where a tributary of the Ganges was. And so um, it's a very sobering thing to think about the impermanence of life. And, you know, there are monkeys everywhere who live around the temples where you do these cremations. And, uh, you know, the monkeys are overseeing all the process. And so there, there we are, and your family loves you. And cares for you even at that moment. And then you're covered by dry dry straw and then the cremation takes place right there. Um, So, so that may sound morbid to some, but I I think one of the things that, that, that faith invites us to think about is, is that fact is the impermanence 
uh, of life. And so not as a morbid sort of reality, but the fact that we have given life. And so if we have life, you know, cherish life, live life. Um, because, you know, like we say in our own denomination, we say, you know, uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And so to see that, um, you know, without all of the draping that we lay over it um, here in the West was really, I think, was, uh, was extraordinary for me to, to stop and sit and see and think about. Well, welcome home. Thank you. I'm glad to be home. So this week's devotion is called Pleasure which is really ironic <laughs> because it wanted to make me cry, Bishop. Like, this is serious. Like, I, I, I read, then I read, after reading the devotion, I read Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. Yeah. And then I felt like throwing up. Oh, God. <laughs> Honestly, God. Honest to God, because I was imagining God crying out to God's people who oftentimes just can't get out of our own way while God pleads on turn back to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so what do you think is the truest thing sticking out to you today concerning this passage? Oh my God. I, I think that, I think that what we have to say, you know, if we're not careful, we will, we will round off the edges of scripture if we round so that they fit neatly into our modern life. And so we, we end up being the potter and not the clay. Uh, the Bible says that we are to remember that we are the clay and God is the potter. And so if God is the potter, God has a particular uh, way and understanding and framework. And that framework is this. You and I fall short. You and I go on these ego-driven megalomaniac sort of endeavors with arrogance taking us over and ego taking us over and, uh, you know, the big fish and the little fish, you know, and all that sort of thing. We do this to each other. We do this systematically. We do this to the environment. Uh, and, and God does not sit idly by. Uh, there, there is a direction, there is a course that we're on, a trajectory that we're on. And all along that trajectory, God is that mother, God is that parent, God is that father pleading. Why would you choose death? Why don't you choose life? Why don't you come home to yourself? Why don't you come home to me? And so what I was trying to do with this this meditation was to talk about the ways in which we're on the wrong path individually at our own addresses in some time, in some cases, and systemically, nationally, internationally, and that God takes pleasure. Some people will see the irony in that, but that's what Ezekiel says. God takes pleasure in the turnaround. God does not take pleasure in you and I uh, getting the consequences of our wrongheadedness of our sin, of our arrogance, of our ego. God does take no pleasure in that. God takes pleasure in that you and I would sort of come to an awakening. We would realize that the path that we're on is wrong and we've got to come home. You know, metanoia, um, we're talking about redemption. Uh, we're talking about reconciliation. We're talking about return. And so I think we do uh, one another, and especially those who are in my line of business, we don't do anybody any favors by candy coating the consequences of our present behavior. Um, and I know that nobody wants to be Debbie Downer, and everybody ought to be on alert for trying, you know, for 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 being condemnatory and uh, shame inducing. Yes, we we shouldn't be those things. Jesus is not those things. But we ought to give people some some sober ideas uh, from the scripture about the consequences of our present action. We ought to let people know what the sticker what the sticker price is. 
so that it creates a moment of earnest reflection, which we hope will positively accrue to redemption and reconciliation and metanoia, that is the turning around from our present ways. So that God takes pleasure in the, in the turnaround, I, I think, should s- stir our hearts in, a, in, a, you know, in an amazing way. Some of us are parents. Uh, we all love somebody. To see the, the, our loved ones turn around from a course of action, which we know is detrimental, should give us joy, right? And that should be our, our pleasure is to see a child turn around, a spouse turn around, a loved one turn around and find themselves, find vitality and love. Hmm. Well, on that note, we'll be back after a short break. Hi, listeners. Thank you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. You can keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Bishop, I have to say, um, this devotion this week, though a little disturbing, <laughs> it's also quite a piece of art. <clears throat> I really appreciated some of the the, the words you used. Uh, what I think you're saying in a nutshell is that we've become gluttonous in doing our own thing. And yet God, like when, when God calls us back and we listen, God delights in what you called new obedience. Can you unpack this statement, there's pleasure in the undoing? Yeah. I mean, again, we're just simply using the scripture to, to and using the scripture's word. I mean, the scripture gives a beautiful character sketch, excuse me, of who God is. And, and you know, as we live with God uh, through worship and through scripture in nature with one another, we ought to get some sense of who God is and, and maybe we will fall in love with that. And so, you know, Ezekiel's is holding that up. Is that what kind of God do we actually serve? What kind of God is the author of all that there is? Well, a God that doesn't take pleasure in condemnation, right? A God that doesn't uh, take pleasure in the destruction of things, but rather in the turning around of things. And so for me, always, I want to just sort of drill down on who God is in any particular, you know, a Bible verse, because I think that's where the energy is. Mm-hmm. That's where the that's where life is. Look, nobody. I mean, we can guilt and shame people if we want to, if that's going to be our preaching project, right? And you might get some immediate results there, but ultimately, that's not the gospel. The gospel is a good news invitation to come home to yourself. You know, there's a there's a a wonderful wonderful scene. I think I've used this before. There's a wonderful scene in that in that uh, movie, The Help, much talked about movie, and where uh, Viola Davis turns to to a, a character. And who's just being evil and mean and mean spirited, and she says, "Ain't you tired?" Mm. And I, and I, I think, I think what I loved about that is, is that sometimes we have to get in touch with all the energy we're using to be something other than ourselves, to be something other than what God would have us to be. We have to get aware of that, you know, all these defense mechanisms and all, and all these sort of. Uh, compensate overcompensations. Uh, we do this individually, uh, and we do this as a system, and uh, and and it's causing us to pour out ourselves towards something that is not life. Ultimately, she could have said anything to that character about her mean behavior, her nasty behavior, her lies, all of that. Uh, but she asked her, as one human being to another, "Ain't you tired?" 
And, you know, and, and it's interesting in this Ezekiel text, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ezekiel gives God's uh, word, his own voice, and says that God says, uh, why would you choose death? Right. Right. And so, I, I, hey, God is saying, hey, I take pleasure in, in the turnaround. And, oh, incidentally, I've got a question for you. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe God is trying to understand human logic here. Right. Well, <laughs> why, would you, talk- why would you choose that? Can we talk about that? Because I, you know, you, I, it's 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 not lost on me that this passage itself doesn't actually talk about life. Yeah, right? it doesn't. It's an allegory of death. Yeah, and 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 I think it's juxtaposed by the idea of what life is. Um, and so I'm wondering what this passage could mean if it actually boils down to a choice between the two, life or death. Yeah. Well, I mean, Scripture gives us an opportunity again and again and always, right? And every day you and I have a, a choice. Which one will you choose, right? Which one, what, what will you feed today? Will you feed grace, mercy, forgiveness today? Or will you continue with grudge and arrogance and all those sorts of things, hurt? Uh, you know, and, and there's always the choice. And here's the thing about the Scripture, and here's the thing about the God that we know in Scripture, that this God is saying, give me the mess, and I know how to make it, I know how to process it. Give me the mess, right? So, so we think we know how to process things adequately, the pain, the shame, the guilt, um, you know, the arrogance, the sin. We think we know how to handle it, how to hold it, right? And we may know how to do it for a little while, but ultimately those things end up being corrosive. When yeah. you give them to God, somehow God makes, as I say all the time, God makes gold out of garbage, right? And so we give our garbage to God and God takes pleasure in that. How about that? We have a uh, we have a, a recycler, <laughs> our God, our cosmic God who lives low and next to us uh, is a recycler and knows how to do these things better than you and I know how to do these things. I mean, isn't that what we're talking about when we're talking about um, certain uh, states in our nation who want to lop off some parts of American history uh, and only tell one half of American history. Isn't that what we're talking about? I'm not talking about being a Democrat or political. I'm not talking about partisan talking points right now. I'm saying that what we are saying when we lop off parts of our American history is we're saying we don't know how to hold together our glorious days and our shameful days. And so what we are saying is, well, let's only talk about our most glorious days. Which is a lie. Which is a lie if it's a half truth and a half truth is a lie. God is saying, I can look at you, my people, my nation, my state, my county. I can look at you and I can hold both of those ideas together. And if you'll go my way and hold them both together, ultimately there'll be a better product. And that's why God is a genius, right? And now, and then Ezekiel would say, and God takes pleasure in that. Well, and I think uh, many times I think people are looking at this life and death and they they think afterlife or after death, you know, they think beyond our, our living, right, on earth. And I don't know that that's true, actually. Like, when we make bad yeah. choices, we're dying on the vine. Well, you know, I've got children. Many people have children. I don't have grandchildren yet, but one day God may bless me with grandchildren. And I, and I think about what will the water be like for them? I think about what what will the zoos have left to show them? I think about, you know, those sorts of things. You know, in some Native American cultures, they make ethical and moral decisions based on what's good for seven generations. So it's not the immediate, you know, profit incentive. 
It is what's the long haul, uh, you know? And so I think about that and, you know, and it is true that when Ezekiel's talking, he's talking about a society, he's talking about a culture, he's talking about norms, right? And these norms have been established, but these norms have departed from the covenant way that God wants to live with God's people. And so there we are again, we're taking our own path. We're telling God, hey, thanks for the advice. We're going to go our way, right? We're going to abuse the environment. We're going to abuse, abuse one another. Right, we're going to do all of that. We're going to make violence entertainment and entertainment violence. Right, and uh, you know that's all good. And then now, what have we done? We've become more coarse. We've become more callous. And now, violence uh, violence has moved out of the movie theater and out of the video game and into real life. And you know, our children have been fed uh, you know constant diets of violence. And then we wonder where did this violent spirit come from? Right now, I'm no prude, right, and I, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not exactly a fool, but I mean, actions and choices have consequences, and this is what Ezekiel's saying. So, new choices are what God delights in, uh, an assessment and an audit about: Do you like the way life is going? If not, give it to the one who authored life, and decide with God about your next, you know, set of steps. And your next direction. This is what God takes pleasure in. I don't want to lose that. We can we can lament, and we ought to lament. We ought to lament what we're doing. I mean, doesn't it? It 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 gives me more than pause to think about that there is an there is an island of plastic floating uh, in the Pacific, an island of plastic, and and what is that causing? Now we're understanding that. Plastic is making its way into the animals, and we ingest the animals, and the plastic is into us. What will that do for us in the long haul, right? Uh, and so there is these long, and so one can get completely depressed and overwhelmed by this, and and choose hedonism or consumerism or I meism as a way to sort of negate or at least mitigate reality. And God is saying, no, stare it right in the face and give it to me. Work with me. Let's make our way one step at a time. Now, you and I can't solve plastic in the Pacific, but we can do something today. We can make better choices today. You and I can't solve violence in the streets of Atlanta and beyond today, but you and I can decide that we're going to harbor, you know, no arrogance, no contempt. We're going to work our work, uh, starting with ourselves, to make our workplaces, our homes, et cetera, et cetera, more gracious, more giving, uh, more gentle. We can decide all of that today. And so it's a cumulative effect. We didn't get here, right, by ourselves, uh, uh, but we can get to a better place with each one of us taking up our pieces of the work going forward. And so it's a daunting thought, and yet somehow God says, there's a tailwind if you go my way, right? There, there's, it's like those, uh, it's like those, uh, those, those wonderful um, uh, moving sidewalks uh, in the airport, Right, uh, you know, yeah, you, you get where you're going a little faster uh, versus the people who are just sort of who choose not to to walk on those things. This is what we call grace, uh, and uh, the good news about any and all of this is is that somehow God is tilted towards the turnaround. Yeah, it's not a magic prayer. It's not a magic bullet. It's nothing like that. It's just making one small choice, one small decision at a time. We didn't get here by magic. Right. So magic won't save us. We got here by choices, right? And so let's get somewhere else by new choices. Well, it was a pleasure talking with you today. <laughs> <laughs> the pleasure was mine. 
Thanks for listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.